0: Hopefully without the microphone we'll still be able to hear me recording on this. Um, Well, welcome everybody. Um, Just a, uh, we always like to be able to start by just taking a second and see if, uh, anything you heard over the week or the weekend? Yes? Woman in peak in the (laughs) middle.
1: Well,
0: uh, they have found uh, a, a document that goes back to about the 3rd uh, century that talks about uh, as Jesus talking about and then I was going to tell this to my wife or something along those lines just of a conversational kind of thing uh, I noticed that uh, this, just this, this afternoon the Catholic church has said it's fake Um, But I haven't heard that in any other quarters. In fact, on Sunday, they were kind of gearing up to say, how should pastors address this with their congregations? Uh, Because certainly nobody's ever believed that. Um, Long Island, let let me just ask you, what is the the church's stand on? What do Mormons believe? Jesus was married and 45 kids.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and three wives. (laughs) Yeah, that
0: would be good. Is it to your No, but I just heard I'm, I'm Baptist and I just heard that Mormons might believe that Jesus was married. That was James. Remember, this is the season where it's like, okay, we're taking we can take the hard questions.
1: I don't know. I think I'll try to find out. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you got it.
2: I don't know.
0: Do do we know? No. Now, but I heard that one of your apostles years ago taught that it was true. I think it's Orson Hyde said that that he was married. But that's what I heard. (laughs) Jim, what would you say?
1: But but one of your guys said it,
0: so you guys must believe it. You say they're, they're prophets.
1: Where was he going to tell? In the tabernacle. During the congress. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> because again, a lot of the times when they're going to they're going to come back on the church with questions. This is where they go. And and they can and they go to journal discourses and they can find stuff like this. And you believe that? Okay. So the answer would be, that's not a doctrine of the church. Uh, he may have he may have thought it back then. Uh, that may have been his personal opinion, but it's not a doctrine of the church. Then you ask them how they move out the word apostles. Yeah. Tabernacle apostles. Well, because my. Because my pastor had this had this thing that we, he was teaching, you know, on Wednesday night, and he was handing this thing out. So. so, why
1: would Christ be
0: married? Do we want to go down that path? Do <laughs> is there a pretty good chance he was married? Certainly, it certainly makes sense. had Peter, and that's right. Hey, Bishop. Well, that, that's kind of exactly it. The, there is so so. There's a possibility of that, but again, anybody asks, it's like we don't know. It's not church doctrine. Uh, thanks for asking. And by the way, let, let me research that, and I'll get back to you. And I'll bring some guys with me next time,
2: <laughs> with little tags. It'll be good.
0: Okay. Anything else you heard this week? That. Oh. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, good stuff. Well, let's go ahead and uh, dive in. This is uh, what we did uh, when uh, Brother Hunter and I were looking at putting these classes together. We were we were interested in opening up some additional spaces. Uh, for some of the heavier sections that are in the Doctrine and Covenants. So starting next week, we're going to do two weeks on section 84 um, of the Doctrine and Covenants. But but that means today, tonight, we're going to be looking at about three or four sections. But I really want to focus in on on two specifically. Um, Now, ahead of that, though, I thought this was kind of fun. This was posted in a church. Monday, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Tuesday, Abuse Spouses. uh, Wednesday, Eating Disorders. Thursday, Say No to Drugs. Friday, Teen Suicide Watch. Saturday, Soup Kitchen. Sunday, Sermon. America's Joyous Future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. If we can get through all of that, maybe we can get us to the point where there's a joyous future. I thought it was pretty good. All right. Let's, uh, let's start off with a, a history of, of where we are. Um, because again, whenever you're looking at sections of the Doctrine and Covenants, you have to know two things. You've got to know the historical context, and then you've got to know the question that was being asked. Because the, the sections in the Doctrine and Covenants are the answers. And you've got to know the questions. Which, by the way, is a reminder that when we want revelations, we need to do what? Ask questions. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Um, and and so this is one of those times. So let's put let's put the history in here. Uh, we talked a little bit uh, last time the fact that on uh, March twenty fourth, uh, Joseph and Sydney are uh, are mob. Uh, remember what we talked about the fact that they were mobbed uh, by uh, ex members. Uh, about half the mob was. Uh, Simon's rider, um, we believe, Ezra Booth, that uh, pulled the brethren out of the of the houses there at the John Johnson farm. That the site and simultaneously they went over to where Sidney Rigdon was staying, and they dragged him out as well. And Joseph describes looking across while they're carrying him, and he can see Sidney being dragged by his head or by his heels, and and bouncing his head across there, and so his head was lacerated and bleeding. And uh, the next uh, day after he is, uh, they pull off all the tarp, he goes over to see Sydney. Sydney is now delirious and traumatized and tries to grab a razor blade and kill the problem. Uh, he was just out of his mind, out of his head. And, and shortly after that, his wife packs him up and takes him up to Kirtland to get him out of Dodge and get him safely. And Joseph will do the same thing. They will take a break. Because the mobs are becoming active. They've been stirred up uh, by the anti-Mormon stuff being printed in the newspapers. Uh, If you think about it now, if if somebody's attacking the church or they're saying something in a newspaper, we can look at that news thing or we can then compare it with other news outlets and see whether this stuff is true. Back then, if it's in the newspaper, that's the only truth you know. So whoever owns the press owns the people. Book of Mormon was kind of that way. Whoever owned the tower owned the people. Same deal. So with with all of that then. So that's going on and the, the mobs are, are getting worse. Now, there's something else going on simultaneously that we need to be aware of. So Joseph is dodging mobs here. Now, they are in and around Kirtland. About half the church is sitting where? Half is in Kirtland, half is in Missouri. Not yet to Nau. So half is like, and you had to be called and set apart and consecrated. And off you go to Zion to establish and get ready to build a new Jerusalem. This is a pretty exciting cold thing. You're going to get to take your family. You go and you've got to be clean, and everybody in the family has to answer certain they're willing to keep certain commandments and into your properties and all that kind of stuff. And it's pretty special off to Missouri. So off they went to Missouri and, the Joseph, and Joseph stayed in Kirkland. So after a while a lot of the brethren and sisters that were sitting in Missouri were kind of going wait a minute. The first presidency is there. They're having revelations. There's some cool things going on. And we're stuck here in Missouri with uh, the horse traders and a lot of the people on the edge of society which is like independence. was A boom town, rough edged kind of place. And this ain't always great here. Um, and so they were getting stirred up a bit. So Joseph had discontent going on in Missouri and mobs in in uh, Ohio. So he's going to get a revelation that's going to solve both problems. Watch for this one. Okay, now, if we look at... what We're going to get uh, in section uh, 78 what I kind of think is kind of earth life in a nutshell. So let me start with this one uh, as verse 7. Look at how the Lord succinctly puts it. If you want to really kind of boil everything down. He says, For if... You will that I give unto you a place in the celestial world. And since it's coming right after the vision, they would kind of be interested in, yeah, I'd like to do that. For if I will give unto you a place in the celestial world, you must prepare yourself. He says, how are you going to do that? By doing the things which I have commanded you and required of you. Now, I don't know about you, but I do think that as, as natural men and women, there's certain, there's certain language that gets our attention. Get over here to section 78. You must do the things which I have commanded and required of you. Now, if we had a if, if you were a group of 13-year-olds, and I said, now you're gonna have to do some things that I'm gonna require of you, what's our first reaction? Oh, yeah. <coughs> really? Yeah, you're gonna require that of me. Okay, I love to be required of things. Okay? So I so I like this. Uh you're going to do prepare yourself by doing the things which I have commanded and required of you. Now, let me let me connect that, because we're going to be in section 82 in a second. But let me go to section 82, verse 3. And this is the one that you've heard. Verse 3. For of him of whom much is given. Much is what? Required. The more I give you, the more I require of you. And he who sins against the greater light shall receive the greater condemnation. Okay? Now, I love this quote by Neil Maxwell. Somebody want to read that one? Okay? Okay? Why did he use the word required? Because it, it, wouldn't it have been better if he just said, "I'm hoping you'll do this." I mean, you've been given enough, and so I'm really kind of expecting this from you, or I'm hoping that you'll do this. Why would he use the word required?
1: There's no out. There's no gray areas. There's not a lot of gray, is there? It's a pretty heavier thing. He
2: taught the same truth. Five talents, two talents, to return The one, the one, he said, "I'm a jealous guy. I need a return on my investment. Yes, your yes, talents and abilities. I need to see me working into my return."
0: Yeah, and, and, and there's not really a lot of option here, is there? Because I have put great things into your hands. We're going to talk more about that in, in a second. But I put great things into your hands. Now I'm going to require a lot of you. Well, that's nice. Isn't that a little intimidating? Wait. Well, not if he's going to help us out with it anyway, which is what he does. Because if, That's right. Because if you just look at this and you simply say, he's going to require that of me. And now I'm kind of out here on an island. Okay. Um, can you imagine if I said, okay, we're going to call you a bishop. And you're going to be in charge of all of these people. No handbooks, no spirit, no anything. And you, you just go get them. How well does that work? You
1: go to South American countries all the time. <laughs> 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 it it's kind of wild
0: to get to the point where you can. You have a mission yeah. that's And 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 then not only that, but then you start to find out, as I did, it's like, wait a minute, I'm in this position... But suddenly there's an additional mantle sitting there. There's an additional spirit there. I hear myself saying, doing things that I didn't expect that I would. And then, and by the way, that sounded pretty good. I'm surprised. Ooh, that was, that sounded like the last vision. That's odd. <laughs> so he requires that of us. But it's interesting that he makes us equal to the task. And that's part of what he's given us, right? If I've given you much, I've also given you the, the power and the ability to do what I require to, to do. So that's to do just like He doesn't give us anything to do that he doesn't provide a way to do it. Right. But we have to be willing to test test and try that. Because there are times um, you know, we were talking about being Scoutmaster earlier. I remember being called a Scoutmaster. And he was looking at him like, he says, if we're going to call you it's like Second Counseling in the Men's Presidency. And I said, okay. And he's waiting for it. And he said, that means working with the Scouts. And I said, oh, okay.
1: <laughs>
0: that means you're the Scoutmaster. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you got, oh, now you're getting it. Now the light is dawning in your head about what, what you're being asked to do. Okay. Oh, man, I don't think. Yeah, okay. And then finding out that there was support behind me and and inspiration and all of those kind of things. Okay. Now, let's keep going. Section Section 78. Verse 9, in other words, let my servant Newell K. Whitney and my servant Joseph Smith Jr. and my servant Sidney Rigdon sit in council with the saints that are in Zion. Ah, go to Missouri. Here's your mission. You know, we're being mobbed in Ohio and we got people that are feeling left out in Missouri, and the Lord wisely says, why don't you go to Missouri? Go hold a council in. in the, oh, yeah! You know what? That could work pretty well. Yeah, I think it could. So, so off they go uh, and take Sidney Rigdon. Let's build his confidence back up again. Um, sit in council with the saints that are in Zion. Verse 10 Otherwise, Satan seeketh to turn their hearts away from the truth, that they become blinded. Now, uh, and I love this next line, because we talk about those that are blind, that become blinded uh, and understand not, what? The things that are prepared for them. Oh, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, and, and Why well, do I need to get down
2: there,
0: Now remember, blind always means it's there, I can't see it. But it doesn't change the reality that it's really there. So, you know, blessed are the, or cursed are the blind that will not see. Okay, it's there, and just because you're blind doesn't mean it's not there. It is there. Okay, now, so they've become blinded. Uh, Satan seeketh to turn their hearts away from the truth. They become blind and understand not the things which are prepared for them. Now, what's prepared? little warning. 14, through my providence, notwithstanding the tribulation which shall descend upon you. There's some tribulation coming. Then what is it that's prepared? Look at this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye are little children. Now, when you look at how the... The the Lord is very economical in the words that He uses and how that He uses them and the terms that He uses. And He could have said, ye are saints, ye are sons and daughters of God, ye are uh, uh, my flock. Instead, He's going to say, ye are... Little children. Why? What's the picture he's trying to paint?
1: Well we care tenderly for our little
0: children. Well you do, don't we. We love our we love our little children, and
1: they just don't understand very much, do they? Probably they're kind of spiritual. Yeah, and you're kind of in that
0: place. In other words, little children <coughs> don't completely understand. Things and don't understand the world, and they have to trust. Uh, I remember my uh, as my kids were going to bed, and they would they would you know watch some kind of scary show, or they'd be hearing about something scary. and They go to bed, and now they're afraid because there are monsters in the room, and you know. And I would always like swing by the ironing board and grab the spray bottle, and then I would go in and say. Okay, where do you think the monsters are? They're under the bed. Okay. Got them. I got the monster spray. Where's that closet? Okay, we'll go over the closet. Got them. I check and I spray. The monsters can't come with the monster spray. Cool. They, and then they can go sleep. Because they trusted that I had somehow taken care of all the monsters. Okay? Now, he's saying to those saints in Missouri... Ye are little children and as and yet have not as yet understood how great blessings the father hath in his own hands you picture that little children I have great blessings in my hands and prepared for you. You ever tried to give little kids like new food? And they haven't seen it before and it's really tasty and they're just almost fighting you but this is cake uh, no I don't want to, to like, take a little bit but the time <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
1: yeah it is
0: okay and he says your little children you don't yet understood everything that the father has for you and then he's going to try and tell them Ye cannot bear all things now. Why not? And why why is it the little children can't?
1: Because they can understand the, 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 the... they They can
0: easily be overwhelmed. why else? Why why else would we struggle? Why can't they bear? <laughs> they mature. They mature. Okay. And what what difference with maturity Right. Okay. Now let's let, let's let's shift. The, here's these saints. Remember, this is 1832. Everybody in the church is at the very most two-year congress, and and most of them less than that. Although most of these that are in Missouri were from Polesville, Fayette, Harmony. They're probably the longest. They had the most experience with the church because they were there with Joseph almost from the beginning. They were the they were the ones uh, that that came out of there um, to to uh, first go to Missouri. Okay, these these say why can't they bear all things? Why can't they bear more light?
1: All things have been revealed at that point either, have they?
0: Why and why not? because you're right. He says. And he's telling you, I haven't revealed more to you because you can't bear it. Why not? So so one of the reasons is is worthiness. It's about that in other words you, you can't handle this. Okay? You're not ready yet. What is what then living the commandments have to do with the light? And the more obedient you are, the more light you get, We just read it, the more light you get, the more it's required. Right? And so I won't damn you by giving you more light than you're able to bear. The more we require and, and what may be required is something you're not yet ready to handle. Okay? Now, um, you ever have this experience in, in talking to some of our Christian brothers and sisters and, and you're like, this is the Book of Mormon. the this one. the Book of Mormon. What is this? This is another testament of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Okay. What this means is that the Savior came and actually taught people on this continent. So this is more words of Jesus Christ ah do you love Jesus Christ yes do you love reading his words yes are they true yes do you want more no (laughs) no I don't want but there's more words of Jesus Christ and you love Jesus Christ yes do you want more no why not well I'm not sure they are right but it's more. It's more prophets like Paul and Peter. <clears throat> Matthew. Don't you want more of that? No, no. That's all I can. I've got all I can really handle. Okay? Now, that's silly, right? Why wouldn't they want more? Right I'm not sure I'll leave it. I'm not sure. Okay? It's an unknown. Because my brain says, my brain is trapped in this world called sola scriptura. The Bible is the, the one and only word. It is the word. It is the authority. This is where, and it is a closed shop. It's self-contained. There is no more. Part of the problem with the Book of Mormon uh, when the Book of Mormon first came out we talked about this uh, early on last year part of what happened with the Book of Mormon, the Book of Mormon shows up and, and the New York Times 1829, the New York Times uh, Boston Globe a bunch of the newspapers at the time said, this is a vile, horrible book it's the most vile thing that's ever landed on the face of the earth we don't have a copy of it, but it's violent, horrible, and awful. Why? What made the Book of Mormon so horrible and so dangerous?
1: They were prophesying about the future of our life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That could be it. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's just it's a threat to this guy as well. In what way? Well... They're saying that, okay, now there's additional things, yes. so we don't know anything. That's right. And you don't know. Yes. And
0: you went to school right. to have your job as a minister. That's part of it. And we wouldn't
2: use you in our church.
0: And the other part of it, it, it just its mere existence was a threat. It's mere just the fact that it was on the earth was a threat. We don't care what's in it; just the very claim of it all by itself is more, and we can't handle that. Don't want that. That's the, that's the threat. Okay, that's silly, right? Let me ask: How much of the Book of Mormon do we have now? Yeah, we got we got a small part of it, right? Most of the Book of Mormon is sealed. Why? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Latter Day Saints of 2012, you are little children, and you have not yet understood how great blessings the Father hath prepared for you in His own hands. You cannot bear all things now. Why? Why can't we? Why can't we bear? More Book of Mormon. Because we can laugh at the Christians because they don't want more. Why can't we bear more Book of Mormon? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, that's true. And, and we're actually going to find next week when we start reading in... Uh, section 84, it talks about you are un- under condemnation because you haven't yet studied and read what I gave you. You can't bear it. And why can't we bear it? Because it might mean we might have to change. We might have to do things differently. We might have to alter what we're doing. We might have to give up a favorite sin. We might have to be different. So that's the same we're under condemnation
2: because we treated like that. Yes. In other words, no, I sit
0: on the shelf, it That's right. It, it looks good. I can say I believe it. Do I, how thoroughly do I know it? How, how thoroughly do I follow it? And, and, and so means I'm, I'm sort of regarding it. Yes, this is, this is a second witness of Jesus Christ, and I believe it along with the Bible. Awesome.
2: How you doing that? I've read it for a while. Okay.
0: Or here's the one, and, and let me just throw this out. Uh, or what happens, and I think, is, I think it's something that we struggle with a lot in the church, is that uh, we're told you should read the Book of Mormon or re- and try and read it like every day. So I run into a lot of people that actually do that, and that's like a huge step in the right direction to reading the Book of Mormon every day. That's wonderful. Except for the fact that it becomes a checklist kind of deal. You know, I read it, uh, I can check that off for the day that I did it, Did you study what was in it? No, i was just trying to read it. I'm just following the commandment. Okay, that's better than not not reading it. I like that. But the next step is hunger and thirst. Dig into it. Tear it apart. Water and seed. A lot. A lot. That's why my challenge to uh, our institute classes is always to say one way of studying, if you want to do this, if if we're studying the Doctrine and Covenants, Study it the way I study it. If we're going to section, study section 84 next week, study at section 84 all week. My, my gospel study it has to be focused on it takes me all week to get ready for these lessons, but that means I study one chapter all week. I tear it apart, What else is there, everything around behind it, tear it apart the words, and just really dig. And it's a real joy. Okay? I'm not Smarter than the average dog. I just the way it's set up, I get to spend more time on a single section or a single chapter. And I'd recommend it to the same. Okay. You cannot bear all things, be of good cheer. I will lead you along and then listen to this great promise. Imagine if our youth caught this, how great this would be. The kingdom is yours, the blessings thereof are yours. The riches of eternity are yours. And he that receiveth all things with thankfulness shall be made glorious. And I have to picture these saints sitting in independence, probably in the middle of a field or sitting in the store or something like that, looking around at their humble circumstances. And he's saying... The kingdom is yours. Eternity is yours. And you're going to be made glorious. A little hard for the picture, isn't it? You're little children you don't get understand. Boy, I think that's fine. All right. Well, that said, let's let's move on. because there, there are two... Uh, Little children. I like the little children picture. It's about right. Looks like my, uh, I have a granddaughter that looks just like that. Okay, now, wanna go, I want to go over to section 82 if I can. Let, let's now, because it, it's here that I found kind of the meat that I really kind of wanted to spend the most time on tonight. Okay. Now, historically put this in context. They're now in Missouri. They're in Zion. And they're talking to the saints that have been consecrated to be here. So, picture his audience. Okay. Somebody want to read verse 1?
1: Okay. Verily, verily, I say okay. to you my servants, that inasmuch as you have forgiven one another your so high, O Lord, forgive you. Too. Oh, you hear that?
0: In a and, and look at the look at. Is that in like future tense? Is that in a command tense, or is that saying something that's already happened? It's already happened. There, man. It's all yeah. In other words, inasmuch as ye have forgiven one another your trespasses, inasmuch as much as this has now happened, I, the Lord, forgive you of yours. That's always, that, that connection is always amazing to me. Especially when you look at all of us that, that some of the things we've been through and the experiences and the people that have done things to us in our life and he says, I will forgive your sins as long as As long as you forgive other people of what they did to you, that's
1: hard. That's as hard as anything.
0: Else. Nevertheless, there are those among you who have sinned exceedingly. Even all of you have sinned. But beware. Uh, refrain from sin lest sore judgments call. Now I want you to. Now let's go back to the verse we just read because I want you. I want you now to see it in context because there's another little uh, owie coming. I always like to warn you when there are owies and the guilt things that are going to show up. So this is a guilt alert. Okay? You guys know what's coming? I want anybody to kind of be blindsided. I had some ladies that walked out of one of my classes at at BYU at education week because I just offended the heck out of them. I forgot to warn them that there was guilt coming. So I'd always let you know. (laughs) For of him unto whom much is given, much is required. And he who sins against the greater light. He's about to define greater light. Look at verse 4. Ye call upon my name for revelations. Now, it used to be among the brethren, it's like, okay, if I'm going to join the church, they would then go to Joseph Smith and they'd say... Can you, give, can you go to the Lord and get a revelation for me from the Lord so I know what I'm supposed to do? Well, that's not nice, you. Eh? I now go out, I now know I'm supposed to go preach the gospel. Surprisingly, almost always got the same answer, the same commandments. What does the Lord want me to do? Go preach the gospel. Wow. I didn't expect that one. <laughs> but they'd always want a revelation. Okay? So And then he's gonna say. You call upon my name for revelations, and I give them unto you. And inasmuch as you keep not my sayings which I give unto you, ye become transgressors. Ooh. Okay. Now, uh, he's going to say, Where is it? It's in here. I know it is. Oh. Look at verse 5, and then we'll go back to verse 4. The first line says, When I say unto one, I say unto all. Okay, so I know we're talking to the saints in Missouri, in Independence. But what I say unto one, I say unto all. So who's included in this revelation? Us. Dang Okay, so let's make this real personal, shall we? Okay, so I warned you about the guilt thing. Okay, as like we know. Ye call upon my name for revelation. Okay, now, if we could translate that into modern terms, how would we say that? Ye call upon my name for... Answers to prayers. Oh. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Ye call upon my name for answers to prayers and I give them unto you. You ask for answers and I tell you. You wanted me you to know, and I answered them. And inasmuch as you keep not my sayings, meaning I gave you answers and you didn't do them, you become transgressors. That's hard. That's a hard one. What? If, if we're going to pray for an answer to prayer, and we get it, and we don't follow it,
1: well, then I
0: think you're off the hook. <laughs> Whoa, okay. Or what happens if we pray for answers and we did get it, but we want to pretend we didn't get it? Isn't that part of it? Because, if he were to then come back and say, "You asked for answers. I gave you answers. How come you didn't follow it?" One answer would be, "Because uh, that's not what I'm looking for." <laughs> <laughs> I had a preset, not idea, especially if we're using the rubber stamp prayer, which is, "I already know what I want, and I'm just going to go to the Lord to get confirmation." Because I really want.
1: That's right. I really want the
0: pony. I think I should have the pony. Oh, he says, yeah, I get the pony. Great. But he says, you're asking for revelations, and I'm going to give you a revelation, but you've got to be open to doing what I ask you to do. And by the way, and if you don't, it's not just like opportunity missed. He says it's a... transgression. Oh, yeah. Well,
1: there's a trap there, too, that we can't... You know, Obviously, Lord, with the 160 phase of the Amish is that we pray for an answer. Lord gives us one, and we don't like it, so we pray again. He gives us the same answer again. and sooner or later, he's going to let us go down that road and even make us feel good about it. Yeah. And the yeah.
0: Now, but, but let me ask you something. Why would why would the Lord brand us a transgression? I mean, that's kind of harsh, is not it? Well, at least he didn't say sin. That's true, why not? What's the difference?
1: Well, it's almost a little bit of commission, commission. It's kind of the Yeah, I was it about is. to ask the question, why do you think the Lord used to be transgressor instead of sin? Tell you
0: what, I think, l- let's hang on to this idea, because we're going to talk about it in, in greater detail, I think there is a difference between sin and transgression. And, and, and we'll talk about that in just a second. I mean, close right in to what is later on in this section. One of the all-time ouches. Yeah. Oh, you look like if you waving your pen around in the collar, sorry. <laughs> 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 okay. <just> uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Now I, I just think it, it's one of those things though that we have to be prepared. And it's just a reminder. I don't want to take too long on, on prayer because I think we're gonna have some more of those in the later sections. But we have to be saying it's a serious thing. If you're gonna come before me and 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 ask to follow what I tell you to do. The other reminder for me in this is he says, you ask for revelations and I give them to you. I'm amazed always by people that in my office sometimes are saying, I don't believe the Lord talks to me. I don't believe I get answers. I don't think he wants to hear me. I don't I'm not worthy for him to answer my question. Or for whatever reason, in my case, he wants to mess with me. He wants to toy with me. He's just stringing me along. Or he really wants to give it to me, but he wants to build my character so he's going to withhold answers just to watch me struggle uh, so that I will learn some character. And he says, no. No. You ask for revelations.
1: I am anxious as
0: God to give them to you. I want to give them to you. As quickly as what? Prepare to do them. Because, because now tie it back in here. Remember, much is given, much is expected. And he who sins against the greater light, where you getting light? The revelation. I gave you those revelations. Now, will you do that? That's that's the question. Okay. Now. That's right. I bounced over this one. Okay. Okay. So let, let, let's let's take one step beyond this, because I think this is this is a kind of an important one, um, and it's it's a scripture that I think has been really misunderstood uh, for for quite a long time, and I want to try and explain it, and I think it will raise some light with the idea of sin and transgression. Uh, j- just as a as a background, uh, and Bishop, I think you'll. Appreciate this. I was working with a. I was working with a, a good brother that um, had a pornography problem, and he had years ago. He had had a. Uh, he'd been struggling with pornography problem, and it had also led to uh, going to some strip clubs and some other kinds of things. Um, and there was enough of it that he then went to his his bishop and talked to the state president. And there was a uh, disciplinary council. And he was his fellowship for those things. He worked closely with his bishop. Uh, and went through the whole process. Came back into full fellowship. Uh, served, and had been serving a number of callings since then. Okay. Uh, had, had a relapse with the pornography. Not with the other stuff. Just, just the pornography. Okay. Uh, went to his bishop to get it cleaned up. And the bishop pulled out... Whoops. Pulled out section 82, and he read verse 7 to this man. Verily I say unto you, I, the Lord, lay not any, any sin to your charge, go your ways and sin no more. But unto the soul who sinneth shall the former sins return. Thus saith the Lord. And his bishop explained to him, and I know because I talked to his bishop. But he it. And, and, and this kind bishop, but I think misunderstanding bishop, had said to him, Because of this verse, we now need to hold another disciplinary council because we need to examine not just this sin, but the other things that you did. In the past, it's now back all on the table. Because that's my understanding of this. Now, by the way, again, wonderful bishop trying to understand but I think he understood this. But I have, he's not the only one. I have a lot of other people that have said, come in and said, I, I'm afraid that when I sin, all of my past stuff is all there. It's all in real time. That's why I'm kind of confused by the other scripture that says, when you sin you know, and repent, then I, the Lord, remember them no more. So is it, I, I, the Lord, remember them no more, or all your former sins return? Which one is it? And by the way, I, got, I was preparing to teach at BYU on this, and I tangled with a couple people at BYU on this, saying, no, all of the former sins return. That's what it says. Okay, Yeah. there's a conundrum, right? So which which is it? Did the former says return, or does the Lord remember them no more?
2: Yep. I think I my mean, I think they returned in the sense that the pattern, came uh-huh. back that same thinking that maybe you were caught at that time. So I man, it's a tough question, it really, is because you know the Lord does say if you. Send
1: of your sins, doesn't remember
0: them anymore. Though so your sins were red as scarlet, they are white as snow. Right. They're, they're clean.
1: But when you repent, you completely turn away. Right. So when you relapse, you haven't completely turned away. Okay. So that does kind of follow you. That you pile that stuff up in your memory, it works against you. Sure. And if, if you do it right, but the Lord then works in your favor to actually bring you to a complete submission. Okay. To, to save you to allow. So you if, you're, if you've then completely submitted
0: you, but then you sin again. then you haven't really, really submitted. Okay. So, 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 so you're only clean now as long as you never go back to any of the sin. I think
2: it's the by the way, I messed
0: with this a lot last week. This is just, just current for me because I went back over all second Once you've done
2: something wrong and then you go back and do it again, the guilt from all that comes. From
0: oh, absolutely. Sure.
1: Again, I think that's what that means. The, 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 the guilt, guilt rather than the actual sin. sin. Plus, the adversary is going to use it to beat you up more. So oh, I yeah. So it's all
2: going to come flowing back on top of you. Well, so
0: what is it that's flowing back? The guilt or the sin? The guilt and the shame, <laughs> and not all of it.
2: But I believe you can have re- you've repented, you've given it up and years, years later, some type of stress triggers. Yeah. And it's almost like a mini nervous breakdown and you may use that or repeat that sin again. And catch yourself.
0: Ah, okay. All right. So I remember teaching the
1: youth that, or being taught as a youth, that one of the reasons not to commit sin is because the next time it would be that much easier. Yeah. And so, oh, okay. So maybe, you know, okay, so you stayed clean or whatever for so long. Right. And then there you go, falling well, off the turnip truck again. And so all
0: of those, it's made it easier to follow. Sure. Up because of the experiences that you've had with the And I think that's true. You talk to an alcoholic, for instance, and they can be 25 years clean. But if they come back and they just have one beer, can they socially drink 25 years later if they're an alcoholic? No, they go right back to the same level. Okay, okay
2: so is it in the New Testament or? That so word? it's like, if you got rid of it in the first place, why would you then take it back?
0: But we do, do we not? Don't yes. we? Don't we sin again? Okay. That, by the way, that that, that particular verse—I won't spend a long time. That's what the guys at BYU were trying to use. That and I tried to direct them three verses later to say what that meant was uh, it wasn't meant as a blueprint for sin. It was meant as a blueprint for. Um, Israel uh, being cast out of Jerusalem and having to come back. I mean there was a whole thing it had Israel in, in general. But and I'm not trying to say that, that all the sins come back to you, but I think what happens is when you repent and it's gone. Yeah and you've purged it right. in your life. Right. If you return to it, all those memories, all of that comes back to you. So it's the me- it's like you're saying it's like, the me- it's like the memories and the guilt that comes back, to not sin. Well, the, the sin that you committed, you're still responsible for. The current one, or the, all the other? The current. the ones that you repented. But the other ones, you have that memory. The Lord may say to you that He will remember them no more. But you but will. We remember everything. Okay. That, don't we? All right. See it. See if this makes sense. Okay. L- l- let me let me put this in context that may that I think clarifies it. Because it is a dilemma, and people have really stumbled hard over this one. And I can't tell you people have come to my office believing that, because even if it's something as simple as gossiping, I can repent of gossiping, but if I go back and gossip, then all of my former gossip sins (laughs) return. It's a piling on exponentially. Because that's what it kind of says. All the former sins return. See if this makes some sense. If we're in a rebellious state prior to uh, coming uh, into the church, we're in our natural man and natural woman state. Then what happens is if we willfully sin, we go out and commit sins, If you if you look at I hate the way this thing is yeah. if we go to section nineteen of Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord is going to make an explanation of how he uh, how the atonement works. And he says, eternal punishment is God's punishment, endless punishment is God's punishment, and then he's gonna say and then he's gonna say, and it's because that's my name. Endless is my name, eternal is my name. Um, and because of that, then he's going to say there are some possibilities that you haven't looked at. And that is that if we are if we are wicked on this earth, somehow we're going to go from being wicked to ultimately receiving the kingdom of glory. Wow, how do we do that? How can somebody so wicked finally be cleansed? Enough to be comfortable in a kingdom of glory like the celestial or terrestrial kingdom. Well, it's a combination, right? His grace, the atonement, makes repentance possible, but there needs to be suffering, justice demands that there's suffering. So whose suffering is it? It's ours, right? Because if you don't, I suffer these things for all. That they might not suffer if they would not repent. But if they don't repent, then what? They must suffer even as I. You're going to pay the utmost farthing. There will be a point that you're going to have to pay. But as as we were talking about a uh, a couple of times ago, remember that C.S. Lewis's uh, mentor, wonderful man by the name of George MacDonald, uh, one of the great preachers in, in British history, Uh, lost his pulpit because he was thrown out of the pulpit for teaching heresy. And heresy for George MacDonald was, hell has an exit. A loving God will not leave his children in hell. One day it will be empty. And C.S. Lewis Lewis would then add on the the byline to that, uh, and it's locked, hell is locked from the inside. That we can let ourselves out ultimately when we're ready, and that's what forms the basis for the great, the book of great. Discourse. Okay, but okay. So if we're if we're in this rebellious state, he says you're going to be able you're going to be simple, but my grace, your suffering, will then ultimately help you be in the kingdom of glory. You'll, it'll be paid for. That makes sense. Okay, now. As opposed to being under the covenant state, so so in a sense, I want you to picture like somebody who has not yet joined the church or maybe church membership only, but is still very rebellious. There is a moment that picture them standing in the rain, you know, and they're just kind of being soaked in the rain, if you will. Okay, now at some point they decide to come up, come underneath the umbrella of. the the gospel and the atonement. Suddenly they're now they're now protected from the rain and they're underneath that umbrella. I'm now in a covenant state. I become a son and daughter of God. And when I sin, what happens to that sin? It's plans, and how's it plans? By my sorrow, but not necessarily the suffering for the sin. I feel sorry that I did it. And as a result of that, I'm going to be cleansed by His grace combined with what? Gethsemane. Gethsemane will then put... So so in other words, when I sin, then if I'm underneath that covenant umbrella... I receive the atonement and covers for them. He's paid for it. He just asks that we'll repent and have genuine sorrow. And then as a result of that, we become heirs of His glory and we receive the celestial kingdom. Okay? Now, so here's the... So, so in a sense, let's go back to this Let's go back to the verse. I say unto you, if these guys are now clean, verily I say unto you, I the Lord will not lay any uh, sin to your charge. He's not going to give you the sin. Who's he give it to? Yes, he takes that sin. I'm not going to lay that to your charge. I will not take that sin. Okay? Now, go your ways and sin no more. But the soul that, who sinneth, willfully sinneth, does, what do they do? They step out of the umbrella, out back into the rain, and they return to their sinful state. And maybe in your scriptures, maybe the best thing on this one would be, He who sinneth shall the former sinful state return. It's a state of being uncovered by the covenant, uncovered by the atonement. I'm now, I'm now uh, at the mercy of the elements, if you will. Now, let's come back to what we were talking about earlier. Because we were talking about um, the idea of sin versus transgression. We just said, if, if we ask the Lord for an answer to a prayer and we don't follow, he says that's a Transgression. Okay. Now, if I'm underneath the umbrella of the atonement, am I perfect? No. Do I sin? Yeah. But, but it, it, in some ways, it's more of a transgression in the fact that the Lord says, you have done some things and you need to repent. Some people have made this distinction. I've been thinking about it. Uh, that if I'm underneath all of this, I'm going to break, I'm going to do things I shouldn't do. I'm covered by His atonement. I have to repent, I have to sorrow, I have to change. But I also know that while I'm underneath here, I'm going to still sin from time to time. I will. I'm not perfect. While I'm out here, if I sin, I get the full brunt of everything.
1: Does this sort of make sense? I know it's kind of a labored thing, but
0: I but I, I think this is a really critical. Um, so go your way and sin no more, and the soul that returneth to former sins shall return. In other words, I think this is more those that are gonna walk away from the church and they're gonna go up with themselves. Okay? All right. Whoops. Now Questions All right, I want I want to um I head back over here Alright, let's look at verse 9. Actually, I guess we could pop up here to verse 8. Okay. um, Verse 8, I give unto you a commandment that you may understand my will concerning you. Or in (laughs) other words, I give unto you directions about how you may act before me, that it may turn... To your salvation. Well, that's fascinating. And then he's going to say, "I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say, but when you do not what I say, you have no promise." Now, before we do that, I want you to look at this. Look at this next line in in uh, verse eleven. So he's going to talk about here are all these people, and and they're going to they're going to be. They're going to come together to form uh, a company. And it's a company that will administer the storehouse of the church. Here's the, here's the board of directors. Then he's going to say uh, that they're all going to be bound together by a bond and a covenant that cannot be that cannot be broken uh, by transgression except judgment immediately followed. If you transgress this. You're going to be judged. But you're going to bind yourself together into a covenant. These days we would call that a contract. It's a contract that uh, we're going to do this. Okay, Now, and then he's going to go through and it's how we're going to manage all of the affairs and everything. Now, go back to verse 10. I, the Lord... I'm binding you guys together. I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say. Bound by what? His promises. His promises. Okay? Now, isn't it's a little unseemly if you think about that somehow we're binding the Lord, we're gonna we're we're gonna somehow control him. So somehow we're hedging him in, that he's bound. So it's, you know, it's like you know, if you, if you go too far with this, you can say, "Wait a minute! I did my peace, You owe me." I, you know, uh, I, I kept the commandments. For instance, w- I mean, what if you said, "Wait a minute! Uh, okay, so I know it's covenants, which means you know that uh, I do my part, you do your part, you're bound to me." I live the Word of Wisdom. So you are bound to do what? Make me healthy. Make me healthy. take me
1: from getting cancer. Yes. You know, all those kind of things. I, I you know people that have suffered from the illnesses and stuff, and not that they've ever said that, but I would think that you would wonder, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I didn't partake. I ate well. There, I, is, I there is a law. Ones, and yet I'm sick. Why?
0: Yes. There is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven before the foundation of this world, upon which all blessings are predicated. And when we, when we do our part, He is bound to do His. I live the word. I lived uh, the law of tithing. Therefore, God, you are bound to make sure. To make sure. That's right. Make sure I lose
1: my job. Yes. That's how it works. You owe me. Some blessings.
0: Yeah, so what is he, what is this God of heaven bound to do?
1: He's bound to keep his promise, but he doesn't say how long we have to keep our promise before that happens. Yeah,
0: I think that's a a good way to put it. If I could put it a little more simply, I believe that he says, um, are you bound to your grandkids? Most definitely. Yeah, how? How? Through the heart. Yes, yeah. isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that true? I, the Lord, uh, I, I, the Beth, am bound to my grandkids by love. I love them, therefore, there are certain things that I'm willing to do Yes, exactly. Wouldn't that make sense? If he says, I the Lord am bound, couldn't we put I the Lord am bound by love? Because I love you and because I am interested in you and because uh, I, I will uh, I will make sure that everything comes to you that needs to come to you. And I
1: do it because I love it.
0: Not out of a sense of obligation, but because I Because that's in my nature. Okay.
2: Let's see.
0: Based on that, let me let me just finish if I can with, with something. Um, we should be posting on the, the website. I don't have a I realize that I forgot to bring a copy of it tonight, but I I shared uh, I shared something with the Monday morning class. Uh, and and the actual kind of transcript of that we should be posting on on the website. Most of you know that, the, that these lessons are posted at kevinheathley.com afterwards. And we, sh- and we have that sort of thing, and then the PowerPoint, and then the uh, uh, MP3, the, the audio to that. And since I didn't record on Monday, you guys are getting to hear the audio. Anyway, I shared something with the, the Monday class that I really became impressed with. And, and let, let me kind of finish with this. Uh, it is, and that is that I became aware as I'm, as I'm reading through this looking at section 76 and it, the, the more you begin to understand the nature of God and, and what I told them was the more I come to understand the Savior through the scriptures the more I have come to expect joy now I've be, I become real aware that I don't deserve joy I don't deserve heaven. In fact, if I simply go on what it is that I think I deserve, I deserve a lot less. I certainly don't deserve to live in the presence of a a being who loves with the power that he loves because of all my imperfections. I just don't deserve that. And yet, the more that I study, the more I have come to expect joy. And part of it, we're talking about grandkids. You know, I've got, a, I've got this, this little uh, five-year-old grandson that uh, when, I, when I go over to visit him and I knock on the door and his little tail is just wagging, you know, and he's just, you see the look on his face and he's just so full of excitement to see me and, and I just know that I'm loved. Now, when I go over to see him, I expect to be loved. Not necessarily because I was perfect that day. Not because I've lived a perfect life. And not because I necessarily deserve that kind of adoration from anybody. But I get it. And it comes. Not because of who I am, but because of who He is. And because of His nature. In that same way, the more I understand this God, I come to understand and expect joy. Because it's in His nature to do it. Not because of who I am, but because of who He is. Because that's what He will do. And so, to to kind of quote C.S. Lewis, who wrote and who entitled his biography, I am surprised by joy. I am surprised by the amount of joy that's available and is and is offered to me. And I think, brothers and sisters, we can come to expect joy, and we can live in such a way to expect joy, not based on our own merits, but because He loves us and He is bound to us with love and desire. To bring us into his presence. And, And the more we catch that vision. The more we begin to understand. What it is that he's standing there with. And we're little children and we don't get it. I just picture this loving Heavenly Father on the other side saying. Expect this. If you understood how much I want you to have it. You'll understand why it is. I'll answer your prayers as fast as I can as fast as it's in your interest for me to answer. In the very next second. Because I love you and I want you to receive everything that I have. I bear you my testimony that part of what breathes in these pages the Doctrine and Covenants is is the God of Heaven dealing with very imperfect people with warts and weaknesses and stumbles and and we can read about their struggles and warts and know the stuff they went through and he says I've forgiven you again and again and again and again and he keeps doing it and then he brings them into his presence and that's remarkable and I expect that kind of joy uh, I pray that we'll kind of catch the vision and I leave that with you just to i get a
1: Closing
2: prayer. Our very Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this night, for what i think for him, in the time and effort that He's put forth in preparing the lesson. And we pray that we might be able to apply these scriptures to, to our lives. And we may uh, be able to remember the responsibility that we have and, uh, and uh, the many things that we've been blessed with uh, that we may go forth and, and uh, share the gospel with others and, and just remember how much we have been blessed. And, uh, we say these things, that's you, to um, bless us with Thy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay.
0: Next week, Section Eighty Four, the Oath and.